With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock podcast, the podcast about the beautiful club within the beautiful game. Back on Zoom after a few match day specials with Peter and I, we are joined by Mr. Andy Bass. Hello and welcome back, Andy. Yeah, nice. Good to be back. Excellent. Uh, another point on the board for the Albion. Another non-defeat. That's great, isn't it? We haven't had too many. Only one in five now. It sounds like a good record, doesn't it? So you start adding in the fact we drew with Norwich in there and what happened before. But um, a two-all draw with Southampton at the weekend. We'll be getting into the nitty-gritty of all that uh, coming up in this episode. A bit of a chat about what's happened in the uh, in the preceding few days before that. Uh, and any other news and updates and thoughts on football in general? That's the plan for today. Um, so, um, I mean, Andy, I saw you at, uh, in the pub pre-match uh, before the game yesterday. Um, I suppose we'll jump straight into that one, shall we, um, in terms of the game. Um, pre-match, full of hope, optimism. And, and was it dashed uh, by the end of the game, having thrown away that two-goal lead? Or were you quite happy in general? I don't... I, yeah, I, um, I wasn't confident before because... Southampton, you know, I don't know how it happens. I mean, we are a difficult team for certain opponents and Southampton always seem to be a bogey team for us, particularly at the Amex, other than that that um, that rare win in the Championship where we surprised everybody by beating them on New Year's Day, I think it was. Um, and the games always seem to be incredibly frustrating you're always moaning about something when you're coming out of them because, you know, bad refereeing or, you know, some missed chances or a lucky goal for them or something like that. And uh, to be honest, it was, it kind of fully delivered on that front, <laughs> to be perfectly <laughs> honest, on um, on Sunday. And um, ultimately, I think at the end of the, given the way the second half went, I was quite glad we hadn't thrown the, game away completely um, so I'll take the point I think Southampton were definitely up for it that did not look like a mid-table game I mean it was hammer and tongs wasn't it? both teams really really going for it it was very open I and 
completely, you know, not the cagey affair that I would have expected it to have been. Um, so I think the neutral was probably quite entertaining, but yeah, we had a we we had a opportunity to win to take the three points, and uh, yeah, and we we fluffed our lines sadly. Yeah, and uh, with Peter, I mean, what what are your thoughts on the game? Um, I mean, it's been. I'm going to start off with a. Obviously, all listeners to the ref to the show. Well, I love referees, but I honestly thought the referee at the weekend was arguably the worst we've had for quite a long time. He was absolutely dreadful. If you even ignoring the, the fact that Kukurea was clearly shoved in the back for the first when for the the ball bouncing for the first goal, and the fact that Grosh was very questionably offside, which was East Stand lines, but it was also dreadful. Every decision, every fifty-fifty, every sixty-forty went Sampson's way. I thought. The number of times that one of our players would put a soft challenge in and you give a free kick and then somehow miss one where there's a blatant trip on one of our players. I don't, I've not heard of him before, Robert Robert Jones, I think his name was, but he was genuinely a, a dreadful referee. I, I don't understand how he how you can be that one-sided. You know, it was obviously, except for the Kukurena one, wasn't very big decisions, but it was just every single time the ball, they went down, they got a free kick. And the behaviour of their, was it the winger, Teller or what his name was, yeah. who went down three times, rolled over and then suddenly magically a second later was running around again. And that last time he did it, when he just stood on the ground and hopped for a little bit and then collapsed onto the floor, was just, yeah, ridiculous, frankly. Yes, it was, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, because Teller, I suppose, what, what could his nickname be? Bank Teller Banky? Or, or maybe somebody that rhymes with that, possibly. I don't know, just being rude. Right, but, uh, he, he was, he was, yeah, he was up to all sorts of shenanigans. I agree that all of the niggly... Uh, stuff was there wasn't it in terms of the decision making the ref was pretty pretty leaning one way in terms of decisions and that lino was terrible there's a ball that clearly went out for a corner and wasn't given which was so obvious uh, I know I was near side yeah I mean we were near side to it Andy when I know he was far side to it but it must have still been obvious and he wasn't quite in line with it and he should have been he, he wasn't following yeah. the play that's kind of um, his job isn't it it's just one thing and he was right in line with where Kukurea and, and I think it was Teller then as well were running back yeah. and on that day you can clearly see him and I thought of the time as well he puts his two hands up and pushes him now it's not a huge shove but when you're underneath a ball like that that's enough and mm. put two hands to someone's back that to me is a bit foul even I if mean, you like it's probably as impacting as the, the sort of like the quick flick out foot that led to the free kick that was subsequently awarded. I don't see there was any yeah. more impact between the two. I didn't see it at the time because I tried to beat the queue for the toilets at half time. So I missed the, missed the goal, heard, heard the, ch- the muffled cheer from the other end. I thought, oh, really? Because we got our second goal pretty late in the half, um, yeah. relatively speaking. And I thought, that's great to see that out see the beginning of the second half out and then it's game on for our first win in ages at home. But um, yeah, I mean, that, that, yeah, I think that, was that goal gave them such a lift and was such a downer on us that it just carried on to the second half. And if they didn't get a goal, I'm not sure they would have come back. It was such a, a big moment. And obviously giving a, giving a free kick like that with Will Prowse around is quite often, you know, you know, you've got a good chance. You can probably afford to give it if it's, if it's against us because we never score that sort of thing. But with Will Prowse around, it's like, yeah, you're guaranteed to probably at least test the keeper. There was another one as well earlier where I think on the corner of the area where where their guy went down under, I think it was Kukare or someone, and threw himself down. And that wasn't a foul either. The guy was not touched and he, was, he just threw himself to the floor and the referee fell for it at that time as well. He just, and yet, you know, one of the two challenges also, there was one right in front of us on the, in the east where March was clearly fouled. There was one on the other side of the pitch where Mepu, I think it was, went, tried to go past the guy and was just taken out and he waved play on. Oh yeah, that was incredible as well. I mean, it was just like 
And then, and then, oh, I mean, yeah, this is just like blaming the blaming the ref edition. But the uh, but then the, we had a, there was an, an offside or something, and we were on and we and we were on the attack, and we we're like marauding halfway up the pitch, and then he calls it back to give us the free kick rather than playing. Oh yeah, he didn't even look, did he? he didn't and even then there are other times where he did play play the advantage when it was not so advantageous. It, you know, I mean, you know, we we did enough to not win the game on our, on our on our own without <laughs> without blaming the ref. But I still think I, I, I thought it was a noteworthily bad performance by the referee. Yeah. And um, it, it, I mean, it, I mean, just some of it was just mystifying to me. Yeah, I mean that, that counter attack that was prevented by the non playing of the advantage. Yeah, that was I've forgotten about that. That was actually really infuriating because we we done very well to negate the danger to turn that from a dangerous attack, dangerous looking attack for them into one for us. And you could see the breakaway potential there. We were just I think we were still inside our half when he pulled it, but you know there was there was room ahead of us to to exploit, and um, that would have been great. And especially at that point in the game as well. Um, really frustrating. Yeah, he it he was a poor performance as well. He didn't even yeah. look around the pitch. He just looked back, saw the flag, and blew. He didn't even think to turn around and look, which is yeah. sure one of the first things for referees. I mean, it's such a simple thing, and yeah, it's so frustrating when you really well, check. Just, well, probably took off sorry, gone, Andy. Hmm. Yeah, he, he he didn't look comfortable, did he? he? Didn't look settled or relaxed in the role. I know it's it might be early days for him. I think it's this. Is it his first full season this year or something? I don't know. But, um, yeah, he, he didn't look comfortable with what he was doing. And it, obviously, to be fair, it doesn't help having a, a linesman. I'm going to still call them that to annoy uh, anyone that doesn't like the, uh, the modernised expressions. But, yeah, the linesman um, on that side, east side, that didn't help him, obviously, because he's then got someone who's equally... In, yes, exactly. Which um, I mean, to be which, fair, you can't call him an assistant referee. He didn't assist the referee, did he? So, <laughs> yes. so you have to call him a linesman, really, don't you? I mean, that, yeah. I, and yeah, ironically, he managed somehow to spot the brushed offside, which was by if it was offside. Even I mean, I I know their VAR lines are random sometimes that you never quite know if they've got it right. But it, even on theirs, it was really next to each other, and people were saying, "I thought this season, if they were right next to each other, the attacker would get the benefit of the doubt." I mean, it was very, very marginal. I, I mean, we'll probably go into that in a little bit more detail yeah, in a minute. We'll discuss it later. We'll, we'll come to that later. But I, I did initially think it was offside, but we'll, we'll come into that in a minute. But let's yeah. talk. It would have been game. nice to match the day that actually analysed it rather than just analysing Ward Prowse, the only thing, the only thing they did. Yeah, best thing since sliced bread, of course, you know. And I am a big fan of Ward Prowse. I think he's a great player. Yeah, so, um, so am I. And absolutely <laughs> talk about it, but also talk about the disallowed goal and maybe. <laughs> Show the shove as well and actually talk about Brighton maybe and mention the fact we played the game. Yeah, because we were playing, definitely. Um, and I certainly thought so, but apparently not. <laughs> certainly we were playing better in the first half. Um, we got off to a cracking start, didn't we? I mean, it was a good atmosphere. I do think the atmosphere was obviously helped by the fact we scored a goal in the 75th second of the game, I think it was. But um, I think it was going to be a good atmosphere anyway. It's, it was a bright, sunny day. The crowd seemed up for it right from the off. Uh, and obviously that was enhanced by Welbeck prodding home a loose ball after some kind of uh, some interesting attacking uh, movements down the, the left-hand side. We got the cross in. I don't think Southampton dealt with things very well at all. There's a bit of a mix-up. It bobbled over the goalkeeper somehow. And Welbeck was there to prod it home. Um, 75 seconds gone, 1-0. Thank you very much. Everything's hunky-dory. And then, of course... Um, Our quickest the rest- Premier League goal, apparently, I read this morning. 
Yeah, I thought it must be close to. Yeah, yeah, I can't really remember. I think we had one very early one away somewhere once at some point, but I can't quite remember. Um, but you know, Welbeck um, started and rewarded with with, with that choice. Um, I think it was, yeah, it, it was. A, I wouldn't say a well taken goal because you know it was an easy opportunity by the time it dropped to him. But you know, great, we'll take it. We carried on playing well during that half. Saints had, I think they hit the post in there at one point with a dangerous attack. Um, which I think was Adams. I can't remember now. Um, uh, Liv- apart- oh, Livramento hit the post. Oh, it was Livramento, yeah. 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 And, and they had a couple of other threats, but I think, by and large, we were the better side in that first half. We gave them a lot of space on the flanks quite a lot of the time, both sides. They had quite a lot of room on, especially that one. I mean, he had so much space to run into and then take the shots. Yeah. I mean, and quite then- that, 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 that if somehow hit Sanchez and avoided. I think it was maybe Adams who avoided at the far post. Yeah, Adams was flailing away trying to poke yeah. it. But, yeah. yeah, and I'm, I mean, speaking of Livermento, of course, was a target for the Albion, but uh, we couldn't get a deal over the line. He ended up going from Chelsea to um, to Southampton, and unfortunately, uh, looked like a serious injury. Um, in the 35th, 36th minute, something like that, he went over with what looked like a, a badly turned ankle, possibly broken ankle. I haven't seen what the news is on it, actually, but clearly it was a bad one. Um, although he was under pressure with someone near him, no contact. It was just one of those things, as usual, with those scenarios. Someone goes down without a clear-cut contact. You know, Webb, it's Webb, he just bad. turned him, I think, didn't he? And he yeah, he, he just turned him. He yeah. turned to try and follow him, and he caught, must have caught his studs or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Caught, and or his foot just nasty, got his turf, and his body went one way, and his foot just stayed where yeah. it was. But, yeah, yeah, it looked genuine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he still looked in agony as he was coming off, so... Um, yeah, that's yeah, right. I really, really hope he's all right, because he's a very good Yeah, wish him a speedy recovery. Yeah, absolutely. You, do, you never like to see that, and um, no. I mean, he, he got uh, you know, well, well applauded from everybody around the ground, which is good to see, yeah. as you'd expect, but still good to see. And as you said, Andy, he still he's had his arms on above his head and hands on his face, and he was still, yeah, still in some degree of pain there, so... Uh, yeah, so, so it will be a bad one, I'm sure, but... Um, Oh uh, yeah, we wish him a speedy recovery because, as I said, it, you don't like to see that. And um, I think he was sort of a fairly involved player as well, so it may have affected Saints a bit at that stage. Um, I mean, not much else happened uh, before we got to the point where we um, we got our first goal, of course, um, which came just towards the end of the half. Um, a nice, uh, nice finish from Saints, I thought, to a really good move, which included a great pass from Danny Welbeck as he. He sort but, of and also nicked. Welbeck winning it back in the first place as well. He, he, yeah, because he, he sort of nicked into the ball, didn't he? Jinx, yeah. Hit it with the outside of his boot. Um, really good long range, sort of, cross, well, not long range, but mid, mid-range cross-field pass. The threat was in there. And um, and as the ball came across, Welbeck was coming back in towards the far side. Probably a pretty good chance he was going to finish that if it wasn't um, intercepted. Unfortunately for their guy, is it Salisa? I think his name is. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah he um, he buried it pr- with a plum, as they say, right in the uh, keeper had no chance. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, had a good view of that actually. Second he hit it, I thought, yep, that's great, that's in, and two 0 And I, I don't think anyone could have complained at that stage. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I think you kind of bro- we actually were really busy in that first half. Um, I thought throughout the first half, I thought I thought we were I thought we were on top until uh, yeah until they got their their first goal. Um, mm. A lot of a lot of energy, a lot of energy. There seemed to be an awful lot of space all over the pitch for for both teams. I certainly think we conceded way too much 
the space on the flanks yeah, for Arsenal sure. in the second half when they were like really tearing into us. But I think we're, we, we're doing this exactly the same thing in the first half to them. And um, I just liked, I liked the speed at which we were moving out. I thought Mwepu and Caicedo were, were, were working well together again and Canister as well. Welbeck, I just thought, he's really getting back to full fitness now because he's all yeah. over that pitch. He's stretching the field. I thought, I thought Mope, there's a lot of, some people didn't think Mope had a good game on Saturday. I thought, I thought he was excellent again. Yeah, I, I did, especially uh, in the first I, half. Yeah. In the first half, he was really physically strong. He was, he was holding, holding the ball up, making sure that attacks were continuing and where they weren't just getting bogged down. He was not, he was winning the second ball. He was winning that tussle. He was always yeah. flicking it on to, to Trossard or to whoever was coming in in support. I thought it was excellent. Very unfortunate not to not to score from the little chance that Welbeck had from the knockout was, against Forster. Yeah, um, and it was also him who made our other best chance of the half, which was the one where I think Mepu, Mepu couldn't quite bring it down, so paid it to Welbeck, who, yeah. who Forster saved it as near post. It was... Mope mm. and the wing to hold off the defender and then cross back to Mepu that was like that led to that chance. Yeah. I, I thought excellent as well. I thought he and Welbeck led from and pressurised them. They couldn't deal with it. But I also did think Saints had a lot of. I didn't necessarily think two 0 reflected the game at that point. I think Saints had quite a few chances. Like when they hit the post, obviously they had quite a lot of possession at times, and we we didn't necessarily deal that well, as in the space that Andy was talking about. I I, I thought two one at half time, maybe even one all would have been. Was a fair reflection of what if he'd held on to two 0 Doesn't mean I'm not annoyed the fact the fact that we, they got the free kick and did it, but I thought they had, they had spells where they were well on top of them. And there were a number of corners, number of long throws. Yeah, I also just add on the Morpé front. I think he was yeah working incredibly hard and thumbs up to him. I thought he had a good game, particularly in the first half. I also agree that Southampton were they were a good side, aren't they? They're, they are a good side, and they look kind of good sitting in as an away side as well looking to pick teams off and, and take advantages at certain moments in games. Um, and as you said, they pr- created and presented a threat, hitting the post, one or two other threatening moments as well, which looked pretty dangerous at the time. Um, so while I, I, I do think we not necessarily complain with the 2-0 because we, that we would have had at half time had it not been for that late, um, that pullback goal. Um, but I do think probably 2-1 was a fairer reflection on the overall balance. Yeah, I would say so. Um, which is a bit of a shame, of course, from our point of view. As we said, if we could have just seen it out for those, that last yeah. moment of, I mean, they added five minutes, I think it was. Yeah. And I think, I think the stoppage was at least four and a half, wasn't it? And then there's goal celebrations. Where who was down I think briefly. it was pretty much all the stoppage because first time they really had on stuff for like celebrations. Yeah. Or anything. No, probably probably not. But um, it, anyway, the goal came um, in the last minute, I think, of um, or just just before the last minute of that first half stoppage time. Wall Prowse from, as you said, Peter, um, a counter attack, so like a breakaway, um, a mistake, I think we can say. Um, and then man jumps in. Um, Kukureya gets pushed in the in the build up. I definitely think there was a shove there that was affecting. Maybe not the most dramatic, but it. As you said, it does put the player off and it does change the balance slightly, particularly if he's in midair, which he sort of half was, wasn't it, at the time? Yeah. Um, then, of course, cuts inside. He's just clipped by the same player's leg coming out. And we've conceded a free kick in a central area against the team that you at least want to concede a free kick against because, yes, the BBC were waxing lyrical about him, but he is bloody good, isn't he, Wal Prowse? He'd had a free kick earlier in the half 
but that was much further out to the right. And that was just yeah. going to be a matter of dealing with the delivery yeah. into the area. But um, with this one, you just knew what was coming. It's direct free kick going to be taken. And uh, essentially, as I said to someone yesterday when we were watching the game, really Wall Prowse with a free kick in a central position is genuinely more dangerous than us with a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> it genuinely is in terms of probabilities of goals, as proved by the fact he subsequently did bury it indeed. But as we were talking about just off air, Andy, um, frustrating in the way he actually scored it. It wasn't that he buried it right in the top corner and we couldn't do anything about it. It was actually preventable, at least in terms of where he placed it. I, Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the wall... To be honest, that, that free kick was not as good as it appeared to be in in real time. Obviously, when he scored it, I thought, oh, yeah, Wolf Prowl is brilliant. Having watched the replays of it, I'm, to be honest, I'm absolutely horrified, quite frankly. I thought at the time when Sanchez was lining up, I thought he was too central. I kind of get why he did it, because he knows that Wolf Prowl can hit it in either side. So if he goes too heavily towards one side, he's kind of like giving him a free hit. Um, so I kind of understand that. So I think War Prowse's reputation has kind of got into the head of, of you know of the def- of Sanchez and the defence. But when you look at that wall, the final third of it towards towards the west side mm. was just totally broken. It wasn't it wasn't remotely solid. There was there was just like the ball just had like this massive gap to go through. And because Sanchez was slightly more central than you would normally expect in that instance, you'd expect him to really favour one side of the goal over the other. He was just a little bit too far away. And there was a slightly slow to react because he was behind the bit of the wall that he couldn't see through. Yeah. It was, and it did go in off the post as well, so it was right as far was, as he could possibly yeah. get. I, you know, I mean, fair play to Ward Prowse because I think he's reputed, you know, I think he does have an effect on the people there. I think, you know, the defenders are always going to be slightly paranoid when, when they face him. But but to be honest, I think I don't think that was a worldie. Um I think I think with the wall, it should have been stopped by the wall. I think they, they just got out, they just evaporated and got out of the way. And maybe Sanchez could have been a bit positioned better. I'm not saying he could have got there quicker, because I think from where he was, it was probably going to be difficult for him given the placement of the ball in, in that corner, the bottom corner anyway. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, that was defendable. And I think that's something that they're going to have to look at because I just thought it was a utterly shambolic bit yeah. of defending on the wall. It was disappointing. I mean, it was about mid-height kind of level, wasn't it? For anyone that hasn't seen it, it was, uh, it was, it was much lower than where he normally curls it over the wall. And as you said, that mid-height thing, it shouldn't, we shouldn't be conceding free kicks like that. One, one bit of credit as well for, for Wal Prowse, I think, is I do think he's, he's, he's very uh, reactive in a good way in terms of he, he'll sniff the danger and he'll, he will adapt what he might have been planning to do. Mm-hmm. So he might have had a notion of going into one particular corner and seeing what was happening with that wall. He was able to exploit that, as you said, Peter, in off the post, I think. So, you know, he, he was yeah. deadly accurate with what he then changed to do. So he's, he's a brilliant set-piece guy. Hats off to him. I think he's on 14 Premier League um, 
direct free kick goals, isn't he? And I think that's four behind Beckham. And assuming nothing dramatically bad happens to him, I, I can't see anything other than going way past that figure by the time he hangs up his boots, uh, assuming he stays in the Premier League, of course. Um, uh, well, it, the one thing... Sorry. Go ahead, John. What I was going to say was that I did... We were, we were talking at the game. There was like there were Southampton players a lot closer to our wall than you're supposed to be these days. I thought there was supposed to be a gap. And then they moved off, I think, afterwards. But I think there was maybe a distraction there, and that's why the wall kind of got broken up a bit. And yeah. that might have been what had kind of like led to that. Because obviously the wall was, yeah, completely useless, effectively. Yeah. I mean, it can't be called a wall, can it? <laughs> um, <laughs> but I wonder if that was what maybe distracted. And they are supposed to be further away now, but whether they got away with it because they'd moved further away by the time they... Parcel ruins, maybe, call it that instead. Yeah, yeah the Maginot line, maybe, more than the... <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it, it was frustrating because we should have we should have defended it better and it shouldn't have been given in the first place so all in all it yeah it was quite frustrating from all, all aspects yeah I mean the, the difference between 2-0 and 2-1 at half time in terms of the psychology how you set up you know if you go in at 2-0 you've got a, a pretty much a different game plan I think to some degree haven't you in terms of what's instructed and um, and how you set up to, to start that second half um, you can <laughs> You could look to exploit on the counter more and that kind of thing. But the 2-1, suddenly, you know, it's a different sort of game. Um, having said that, of course, um, the second half also didn't start too well because it was only nine minutes into it when um, Romeo, um, in the 54th minute, set up Ward Prowse for another goal. Um, two observations from my end. I've been thinking this for a while, by the way. Uh, Oriol Romeo, does it, is it me or does he remind you of Adam Elabt a bit? I think there's a, a certain, a certain similarity. Yeah, it always bugs me. Cause I, it's it's similar to the way they play as well, judging by the number of bookings he gets as well. <laughs> yes, yeah. But he's, he's a good player. And um, I mean, it was, a, it was a good goal from their point of view. Mistake from ours, I guess, uh, as is often the case when you concede, isn't it? Um, but Romeo set up Wal Prowse and this was an open play goal. Again, great technique. Took it first time, boom, in the corner. And um, and it was 2-2. You sensed the, the minute it came back to him, you just knew he was going to score. Yeah. Mm, it was just yeah. like a moving free kick, you know. Yeah. He's not going to even less at it precisely his range. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it was a great back heel by Romeo that that set mm. him up. I mean, it was that was a really nice bit of skill, and yeah. you know, I, I don't think you can really defend that. I mean, it's a shame again. You know, Webster did what he normally does on his, on his returns from injuries normally. It needs a couple of games to get to get the rust out, and um, and sadly that proved to be the case yet again because it was we did we did give the ball away cheaply, and I think that was the frustrating thing. And in, in, you know, in the first half, I thought we were very fluid going forward. We you know we did create some good opportunities. Obviously, disallowed goal, the melee on the line, and other opportunities. Mm. For us to maybe to have got a picked up another goal, um, but in the second half, I think we we got anxious again. Too many times we would just be sloppy and just giving the ball away cheaply, and it is something. It is a problem that this team has, um, and you know it is something that they're going to need to continually work on. But just yeah, when we're at our full concentration, we're 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 excellent, but. The minute that that slides, it it puts us in a difficult position, and um, I don't know. It felt like Southampton were just 
it was wave after wave of attack, and I was could really only see one team winning it. To yeah, be I was fearing. I was fearing for uh, us as well in that. So yeah. I was going from like oh two point you know two points drop to really just like hung on to a point. Mm. And then of course we have the um, the disappointment of the of the gross offside goal, and again another exquisite bit of transition. I think that. I could see why the linesman might have been thinking, "Oh, he's offside," because simply because he was there was no one near him. I mean, he was in that massive, that, that massive gap in the middle. Um, but when you but when you looked at the lines that they that they that they drew up, yeah, that looked. <laughs> his feet are his feet are miles behind the defender. I think he's only it's the it leaning, isn't have it? Been his elbow, it must have been like an elbow or something. I mean, I, I, thought, I thought they were giving attackers the benefit of the doubt for those ones this season. Yeah, I understand it was because it was ridiculous that these goals were disallowed with, you know, it's such, such a small. There's a really well taken finish and a nice move, and yeah, to then have that disallowed because of yeah, such a and from a line to really basically was asleep most of the game to suddenly wake up to one offside, like by that, you know, that tiny amount is what's kind of a reflection of our uh, our luck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I do. Yeah, I mean, I was under the impression, like, if it's really that borderline and you're trying to have to... Because, to be honest, the longer it, they were taking to make the decision, I thought, they might allow this. But clearly it's not obvious. He's not clearly offside by a yard. You know, he's in all that open space and you, and he might have looked in that moment to be about a yard clear or something like that. But his, his feet, actually, his feet were behind. So I can only assume that, like... There was like an elbow, you know, his, his arm was in front and that's what they deemed to be, because they do like the arm and shoulder, don't they? As, I thought it was didn't count was... anymore, though. I thought they changed that because there was a lot of complaints about, is it the Palace player who's pointing forward or Leeds player at, at Palace who was pointing yeah, forward? Bamford, yeah. yeah, Bamford, wasn't it? Yeah, Bamford, wasn't it? Yeah, who was, who literally uh, was pointing forward and that was awesome. I mean, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't it that he's leaning forwards, though? She could say scorable body parts, head and so on, would then come into play. Although the lines are obviously lined up to the feet, which doesn't really um, clarify he's matters, does it? His feet, um, his feet think, were behind. I mean, he, yeah, was, standing, he was standing yeah. behind. I, well, it's yeah, it's all dandy. It's, they, 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 found, they found a body part slightly <laughs> in advance by a few millimetres. I, I think the authorities have to say, how much of an advantage is that player getting? Especially when he am um, being gross, of course, he, he held onto the ball, a couple of players advanced beyond yeah. him, defenders, and then he he, t- he sort of composed himself and then shot. So he didn't have um, a, a space advantage as such in terms of forwards no. uh, because he, you know, defenders were coming back. It was more a case of um, nobody picked him up directly. They just tried to block some of the space ahead of him. Uh, but then he shot it in the corner with a great finish, which is a shame not to be a winning goal. But yeah. um, I have to say, when I was watching it, I was more or less in line with it um, where I'm in the West Upper. And I instantly thought it was offside. Um, and then I was convinced of that. And when we did score it, although I started getting to my feet, in case we were celebrating a goal, um, I did notice that the linesman put his flag up straight away. I was looking for it. And everyone around me was celebrating. Nobody in it, nobody else seemed to have clocked it at all. And I, I, I was the um, the harbinger of doom. <laughs> yeah, we, we caught the same from the down, East yeah. as well. Yeah. And, and again, I looked straight for the flag once yeah. we went. And I, I was a bit surprised. Cause I, I thought it was more off than... It was when I then eventually saw it later that night. I thought that was actually a good 
sort of half a yard off at least, maybe more. But it is a it's, it's a it's a deception of the eye, isn't it? With the, I think the timing, they, I think if if that goal had been allowed, no nobody would be complaining about it. No, and that's what comes back to the clear and obvious thing, and the, and the small margins and advantage to the attacker. It really is in such a small Lino, the Lino level, isn't it? Up, the Lino was not up with play. He was about no. he was about a yard behind. It was yeah. Behind Gross. I, I mean, I can, I can, I can, I can well, see. He, why, he saw what I thought though, as well at the time. I can see why. I can understand it. I thought it was a goal at the time, but I can see why it might have looked offside because because there wasn't there wasn't anyone within fifteen yards of him. And you're just thinking, mm-hmm. how could he be in that much space? He must be offside. But that's no VAR thing, isn't it? To, yeah, to, yeah, not, you no, know, to avoid those perceptions. Yeah, so you go to the VAR to, to check it, but. I, I thought it would be given. Yeah. Um, I, my, yeah, my, my friend AD was, he said it's not a goal. Um, I said, yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> misery Guts was right. But, um, <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah um, it's, it's frustrating. Um, hmm. uh, as Graham Potter would say, it is what it is. I think, I think that's something the authorities have to look at. And they have to ask, what is the point of this law? I mean, the point is to stop people goal hanging and stealing, yeah. an, a, you know, an unearned advantage by by being an advanced player. I just think they have to look at how they word that word that law because I don't think if it's down to millimeters or like you know if it's if it's like less than an inch, yeah, then then you just play on I just I think you know it has you, you've got to, you've got to be stealing an advantage I don't yeah. see in that instance that Gross had really got an advantage there was no one there was nowhere no one near him he was clearly going to get the ball because there was no defender there to close him down um it was, yeah, I mean Gross, Gross could have been five yards offside and still not have an advantage really yeah, but, <laughs> but I mean, your point endures really I, I agree it's it's there to stop Blatant goal hanging, which spoils the balance of the game. If someone's standing in yards and yards of space offside, that would affect the whole nature of football. And you can't have a, just getting rid of offside. It just people say, "I'll just get rid of it." That would it, could be funny be. For a season, it wouldn't be a good spectacle. It could be mad. Of half each team, like defending deep and attacking deep, and the other half just, <laughs> just boost it back and forward. Take people would adapt, field. wouldn't they? People would adapt, and there would be some interesting scenarios developed from it, that. It just wouldn't but be it, a midfield, basically. But, but, but I mean, yeah, Andy's point in the end, though, is true, isn't it? It's just, you know, if there's no real advantage, discernible one, yeah. um, you, uh, that's part of the art of the game, isn't it? To try and time those runs. I, I remember yeah. I just watched the, the Liverpool Man U game as well. I caught up with that one, uh, that match of the day episode this week as well. And Salah had a chance when it was 4-0, could have buried it for five, which I didn't know at the time he'd had that chance. I wish I... Uh, I'm glad I, I didn't know because I had a bet on them winning 5-0 when it was 2-0. Uh, so that was quite annoying he didn't bury it. But I, I for all the world, thought that was offside. Uh, and then when you look back at it, he's clearly a good sort of inch or two onside. And you think, okay, I think that's the, the thing. The trick that, of the eye is the thing, isn't it? But if it's yeah. that close, but, but also, eyes, the, the VAR the lines do feel quite random as well, though. I think that's the part of the issue as well. I mean, that, that I, looked odd, that line, didn't it? It looked slightly murky in one spot. Yeah. It didn't I, I'm still not convinced Rush was offside, and that's the thing. Even a line mm. for the, the inches, I'm, I'm still not convinced those lines reflect when I've seen a, a still of it. So, I mean, it would have been really good match today to actually bothered to analyse it and have a look at it. 
there's surely it's probably the one the, the main incident well the two main incidents of the game I would say was Kukurea being fouled in the build up to the goal and and the offside for the goal and yet yeah, all they talked about was Will Prowse who it's worth discussing but also their whole point is to talk about you know slightly controversial incidents and those two in my mind were both controversial and I think probably the other round they would have talked about it but because it's Brighton they don't bother yeah. so, and I mean while well, you know if if um, they had given the foul for Kukurea and then pulled pulled the free kick out of the equation for them. And if they'd given that goal, you know, people might have said we've been a bit lucky there. And maybe they'd be right in that case because they're marginal decisions or, or ambiguous decisions. Um, but ultimately, we've not. I, I don't think we've had a particularly good share of good decisions, have we, overall? I'd certainly the take the luck you... against Man U because we bloody owe, yeah. owe them <laughs> the loads of that. Really say Leicester that we've had luck this season. In. Yeah, that's I, similar I still thing think to all those decisions were correct. Been. In, in the rules of the game, I still think all those decisions were correct, but yeah. you could you could argue on another day that it would go against us. But other than that, yeah. mm. I actually thought that the goal was we finished really strongly in the end. I think Southampton lost lost their way a bit, um, and I think they they tired towards the last fifteen minutes or so, and we came back into the game quite a lot and yeah, quite impressively, um, and yeah. they lost their way. And actually, we finished the stronger and looked the most likely to win it later. Yeah, the, the the bringing on of March and Grace really worked yeah just uh, after the hour wasn't it yeah um that you know and you know it just I would have liked Solnieto sooner and March again I think March is a March is a really good sub I mean mm. I feel sorry for him because I wish he would be better from the start of games but but yeah. he, he's but got he, a good first touch doesn't he he's got a good swagger about him when he's on yeah. the ball it is his, like his final ball and his in, inclination to hold on to the ball rather than put a first-time cross in is probably the biggest issue there. But he, uh, you know, final product some, sometimes a miss, but he is a good player. He is a good player. He's worthy of a squad place, I think, still. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he, he added some spark, didn't he, along with a Grosh who seemed to, it seemed to go all over the place. I mean, this, this game we started off with... Um, Four at the back, didn't we? Veltman and Kukurea in the wider roles, Webster and Dunk Central, Wepu, McAllister, Trossard, effectively the midfield, Caicedo as well, inter- interspersing with Trossard and then more playing well back up front. But when, um, when Grosh came on, that was for Webster and March came on for Mwepu. And Grosh at one point was playing as a right back and on several occasions was playing as a left winger. <laughs> in certain moments and it really I don't know how deliberate that was by the, by the coach versus the player individually but um, I think that mixing it up and moving about all over the place helps and I think the subs in general did help us using his pace for a player that's famously known for being for how slow he is <laughs> yeah he had some energy like, though Gross <laughs> covers so much ground yeah yeah it's he really like, does he, he is like an optical illusion <laughs> um, in the fact that he Despite the fact he, he moves slowly, he apparently appears to be everywhere all the time. Um, and how he's managed to... And he reads the game very well. That's why he found himself in acres of space. Do you think there were three Groshes on the pitch, pitch two of which any time were wearing cloaks of invisibility or something? It might. Yeah, that would explain <laughs> a lot. I find that more believable than the actual Pascal's ability to cover every blade of grass. Maybe it was his cloak that was offside. <laughs> yes. but one of the other groshes was offside and they'd spotted it somehow yeah um i mean the other sub was sarmiento came on on the 85th minute and i've been crying for him to come out uh probably five ten minutes earlier than that and I, I wish he would have had more time to make an impact um he wasn't able to really do much 
in the game. There wasn't really the spaces at the, at the moments when he was getting the ball, but um, you can see he's got that energy and dynamism and you want to see him have a longer run, don't you really? Especially when there's nothing very, very important running on the game. I mean, we're grappling for positions in the table, but, you know, safety is assured and um, it would have been nice to have seen him get a bit more time ahead of when games will be more crucial again early in next season. Yeah, I think he... I think he um, came on and he was just played a little bit too far forward because um, he basically went up to almost be, you know, just like a centre forward when I think he's he's much better when he gets the ball deeper and then attacks the defenders rather than him being already up there. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it'd be nice if, if he could have had, you know, maybe not advocating for him to start, but if he could get like 20 minutes here, you know, here and there, but, um, I mean, we were trying to win the game. So, Grayson March, the two tried and tested players, that's clearly the sensible decision mm. to do when, you know, Potter was trying to turn the match around and still try and win it. I mean, I mean, it was, you know, both teams were, you know, you can forget your mid-table mediocrity. Both teams were, were trying to win the game. It was a good... Mm. Uh, yeah. It was a good, high-energy effort from from both sides. Even if you know Southampton spent half the time rolling around on the pitch. But, <laughs> yeah, um, they, they they do have a lot of energy. They were playing a, a really high press game in the first match at St Mary's earlier in the season. They do. They are a fit team. They're full of energy and running. Um, the only thing from that St Mary's game actually, which has surprised me a little bit, was uh, Broya um, didn't start the game. He only came on in the 79th minute. There may have been a, a reason for that beyond tactics, but um, I'm surprised and relieved that he didn't start the game because uh, I think he's a really good player. Um, I wonder if they know they're not going to sign him permanently, and they're like, "Well, now yeah. we go to our our players who we know will be there next season." And um, maybe they think with Chelsea's issues, they're not going to. They might look to bring him in, but you know, into the squad. Yeah, they're not, they probably, can't afford him. And, so go That's with, probably made a difference to Saints, hasn't it? That, I think that, yeah. that situation in, with Abramovich. In terms of the subs, I do think we were a bit limited in the sense that we had to take Webster off, I reckon, obviously. The yeah. obviously only able to do an hour. I wonder if we had to take Webster off as well, because he, he'd obviously started four games in a row, having not started for a while. And I know he went off at half-time at Spurs, but I wonder whether his, you know, he was a bit knackered at that point because he played you know, four games pretty much at Man City and Arsenal, uh, half, half a game at Tottenham and an hour here, and I whether stamina-wise, he was just a bit, he just mm. couldn't like So that limited on what we could change. And what we, obviously the, the players were brought on, bringing Sarmiento on for either of those would have been a lot more attacking rather than Grosch or March. He could play a bit deeper. Yeah. Possibly. Only two other thoughts from my side of it. Um, one was to mention Lamptey wasn't involved at all. We don't know. We, we understand there might have been some sort of minor injury that they precautionarily decided to keep him out of the squad. Um, the other the other point of note was um, Welbeck was given man of the match at the stadium, also highest rated on some of the websites. Um, would you agree with that? I mean, he scored the first goal. He was heavily involved in the second one. He, well, he caused the second one to, to be a goal, uh, both in the build-up and the pressure on the defender. And um, had a generally good all-round game. And as you said, I think it was you, Andy, said that he seems to be back to full fitness and looks looks threat. Would you agree with that? Or was there someone else you think deserved man of the match? I, I agree with it completely. I agree with it. Clearly. Even without the goals, I thought he had a brilliant game. And he, as, as Andy said, he's pressed. And he, the way he chased back, I mean, a number of times he actually covered the gaps on the wing and came back and worked so hard. And yeah, he just, he had a really good game. And yeah, he deserved it, no question in my mind. Yeah, I thought he's that, that, that outstanding. And, and 
and he's brought a he's brought a physicality, you know, that physicality that we that we do lack. I think um, he's brought that back into his game. I, yeah, I, I I was really impressed with him. Veltman, I think, is the other person that, that had a more noteworthy game. Um, I thought, you know, it was an okay performance. It was just we, you know, we but we just let ourselves down with some sloppy play that enabled them to get to get their two goals and maybe one or one or two half chances that we we could have done a little bit better with. I think it was frustrating from that point of view, but I did think um, I did think Southampton were really good in the second half, and I was to be honest, I was pleased that we didn't concede a third. So you know, I'll t- I'll take the point. We've gone to forty one now. We've equaled the um, the record, so we've got a few more games to add to that total and hopefully set a new record. Um, and you know, it's only one defeat in like five now, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah, and that was at City, which is you know, yeah. you can't, I mean, we're, we're always almost, almost going to lose that. Yeah. I thought as an exercise in seeing ahead without the summer for next season, it's pretty yeah. good, actually, to be honest. Yeah. At a fully fit Webster rather than the Webster that we saw coming back in, a fully fit Lampsy, um, Wepu and Casino with more games behind them and more experience in the Premier League, yeah. and a couple of new signings. And actually, that's not a bad team for next season if we can if we can keep them fit. I mean, the players like Wepu and Webster, the key based on and Welbeck as well, the key on this based on this season will be keeping them fit. Because obviously, those three have all missed quite big chunks. Welbeck, I've never had any question that he's good enough for us ability wise. He's, it's just been that he's always liable to come to get injured. And Touchwood, since he's had that bad, that bad injury in the season, they, they reckon they've sorted something out. And he seems to be OK now. And he seems to be, you know, he's not starting every game, but he seems to get involved. And he, he you know, that was his best game I've seen him play for Albion, I thought, the weekend. You get the impression, even if he's not starting every game, that might even just be yeah. only tactical reasons rather than anything to do with nursing. Yeah, exactly. Nursing a situation. Yeah, I, I mean, and it's add, good news, add, isn't it, for him and for yeah, us? Yeah, add, add in Undav and, an, and another striker, maybe, and maybe... Exactly. Uh, maybe Van Hecker at the back to offer more options. And suddenly a team that I, I still think we really need another wing back option so that when Lamps is not available, we don't have to adapt a bit. We can, we've got another option like Livermento would have been if we managed to sign him, I think, in the summer. Mm, yeah. um, and I obviously agree, otherwise they wouldn't have been in for him. Um, someone like him, if March is happy to stay, I'm happy with him as backup to Cooper Air. I think we need one more centre back option, maybe Clark Rothgard, or maybe someone new, possibly, if Duffy goes. Um, but yeah. then, yeah, midfield, we maybe need one more option with Modder out, but not necessarily first choice. If Casado and McAllister and and Wepu are, are playing well together, then those three could be first choice. There's a few, few rumours around that Welbeck may, be about, uh, may have agreed a deal now um, or agreed to have the extra year. Yeah. I know there's an option there anyway, but I think it might be, there's rumours it might be mutually agreed that he's going to stay on, which I think yeah, it I makes think sense. It, it fleshes the squad out well, particularly if you don't get another striker in on top of Undaf, um, yeah. and I'm still not knowing what's happening with Morpé. I, I certainly think we need, in terms of numbers, I think it would be useful to keep him particularly given what you said about his fitness seeming to be resolved now. And, yeah, as you said, those players to come in and maybe one or two other signings we don't know about yet, things are looking up for next season. And, and really Fado is a, a real bonus. He, oh, he, looks he looks so good. He's, he's great, doesn't he? I mean, that challenge of Man City... Like third like, start, fourth start, he, Premier League start. And he, yeah. he looks like he's been there for years, doesn't he? Do you, like, you see that defensive challenge against City? 
Um, yeah. Brilliant. Sliding in from the side and just put the ball away. Bobby Moore, Bobby Moore-esque. There was one against Spurs as well, wasn't there, when they looked like they were going to break away and he hooked it yes. around his leg and took, came away with it as well. He, he just looks a class above. And I mean, I know Tim Vickery's been saying, you know, he's, he's going to be amazing for a while, but you, you look at that and you think, well, actually, yeah, he looks like a player he's played. He's going to be the first choice, I think, next season. And he's only 2021. And I don't know you... how long he'll be here, to be honest. I think he could have a, we might get a couple of seasons out of him and then he'll be, he'll go for quite a lot more than the Super Rider thought. I should say, we still only beat Tottenham because I, th- I think this is actually your, your buddy, Vicky, actually, Andy, had said this on Twitter, that Spurs were missing two of their key players, Son and Kane, when we played them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if that was a great, uh, whoever it was, anyway, yeah, great quote. Yeah, um, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Spurs kind of needed them to to play against yeah. us, and uh, sadly they were, yeah. they were they were they were missing against Brentford as well. No shots on target again, apparently in their nil nil draw. And we'll talk a bit more about football in general in part two. But I, I'm eager to get the half time whistle in, and in case we concede a late free kick. Um, so we'll probably have a quick break there, and in part two we'll do a bit a bit more of a general football discussion. So back in just a moment. And so we follow part one with part two. Who knew? Um, so, yeah, still with Andy and Peter and me, Russell, for just a general look at football now. So, I mean, first of all, uh, last episode, we did a bit of a mini match day special at the weekend, not on the Albion, but on Worthing, because it was uh, the final one of our little features for the season on, uh, on Worthing, uh, non-league special number six, um, where Peter and I and my half, other half went down to Worthing for the day trip and to see the final game of the season, Worthing beat Brightling Sea Regent, your favourably named football team, isn't it, Peter? Great name. Um, one nil. Yeah. <laughs> one nil. Andy, unfortunately, does go to Worthing Games. Wasn't able to go to that one due to other commitments. But um, it was the trophy presentation and it was a job well done. They finished on 97 points. They thoroughly deserved the title and they thoroughly deserved it, particularly after what's gone on before. We had a good day down there, didn't we, Peter? Um, had a, the beers aren't that great at the ground, actually, but they, we had some good, good beers before and after around. Um, the, the beers Worthing. didn't live up to Horsham, I'm afraid, you say. No, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Oh, it's worth going back to Horsham just for that name, isn't it? Really, but uh, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a good, good day out, and, and Worthing looked great, didn't they? And I, I'm pretty sure they'll fit into the division above next season perfectly well. Um, Andy, uh, any thoughts, final reflections on that for the for Worthing's end of season, which of course is, is what that was, the last game. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Finally, oh, just really delighted. Just really delighted for them. I just think it's a uh... An incredible story. I mean, just I just I, I just can't imagine any other team having the resilience to get themselves promoted three times in a row from the same division, um, <laughs> having to cope with the, you know the, what's happened in the last two years. I mean, for them mm. to dominate the division over 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 three years, it's just it's just utterly amazing. An absolutely amazing job by um, by Hinch in managing that group of players. Um, terrific effort from the players, and um, always backed by by some pretty great fans. Actually, I mean, it's a really fun place to go and watch watch a game it of is. football. And um, yeah, if the uh, if the Albion schedule allows, uh, hopefully, pick up one or two more interesting grounds next season um, in the. National League South. 
Yeah, yeah, indeed. There's there's some interesting ones there. Um, and one of the big appeals we were talking about at the weekend in the pub, weren't we, Andy? That uh, Dulwich Hamlet will be a great one to be able to go to if schedules allow. Um, that would be in particularly good. And there's lots of other good ones at that level. And uh, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to hopefully catching some more games. It's been an interesting adventure to finally get back to seeing them live. I haven't seen them before this season for a long time in a, a competitive game. And um, as you said, the fan base has really grown both in terms of numbers and in terms of noise. They've got a good repertoire of songs. They make a hell of a racket down there, particularly uh, at the weekend. And um, it's a, a real feel-good. And they've, they're doing things at the stadium. I think they'll, they'll probably um, add in a couple of other elements again this year, um, one or two which will be required, no doubt, by going up the level, but also some improvements such as an extra bar I think they're doing and all sorts of other bits. Good bunch of people. The, the commentators are great down there, Peter and um, and James, who we um, spoke to. Well, I spoke to James again at the weekends. It was good to have a chat with them. And we uh, we did have a chat with uh, George, the owner, um, who's going to come on. He was agreed to come on to a podcast at some point, which we'll probably do over the summer. Maybe a final reflection on Worthing season. And we'll try and get um, some involvement on that one. So, uh, yeah, so congratulations to Worthing. Um, Lewis, unfortunately, did miss out on the playoffs, didn't they? But um, yeah. Hastings... Um, got promoted into the same division. We'll probably do, a, um, I think, a non-league special down there one day next uh, next season as well. Um, and Hayes non-league are in the playoffs as well, aren't they? I think there's quite a lot of... Uh, oh, right. Yeah. And Eastbourne are currently in the playoffs in National League South as well. So yeah. Quite yeah. a season so, for Sussex. Absolutely fantastic season for non-league football in Sussex. Just Littlehampton. Littlehampton. Yeah. FA Vars, yeah. Yeah. Just absolutely great news for... Fans all over the all over the county. It's just uh, it's the, you love to see it. It's just brilliant. So uh, and the crowd by some of the crowds as well. There's been some amazing crowds for the levels they're at. And yeah. uh, quite I a mean, few Sussex good. games pushed two thousand. It was about eighteen hundred at Worthing, I yeah. think. And they could have got more in. I think there must have been must have been a restriction on numbers just to be on the safe side or something because they could definitely. I think it was, like, I think it was two and a half thousand on on Saturday, wasn't it? Oh, was sorry, but maybe I misread the. Uh, I might have. No, I, I forgot to check it actually. Yeah, was it two and a half? I, I would say it was. It felt more like two and a half. Someone, I thought someone told me it was two and a half, but I could be. Yeah, I could have. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, a good crowd, brilliant crowd, anyway. And um, and, and long may it continue. And to say, as long as you get those crowds, it's on the up, isn't it? Non-league football in general, and we've really enjoyed doing the little features on that. I think um, more and more people are moving away and away from the Premier League in a lot of senses and finding it a bit. Yeah, this, this the motivation to go into games where you're yeah is is lower and actually find non-league clubs and you know kind of I mean I've always enjoyed going to non-league days anyway and actually then having Worthing to you know to follow is it's actually been really fun that I've been to five this season you've been to a couple more haven't you Russ and so it's yeah like, it's been yeah we've had really good days each time um, I, th- I thought I think we said the other day that the, the facilities at Horsham were excellent I thought they were genuinely one of the best. I've seen you see they're better than most lower league, um, not at League Two grounds, that sort of thing. I think compared to a lot of them, it was brilliant, even in League One. Yeah, it's really good. Speaking of non-league, by the way, and just a quick, we'll do a quick summary of some of the divisions. I mean, it's obviously coming into the run-in. National League's been interesting because you've got the Hollywood boys, obviously, of Wrexham, pushing hard in a really long, sustained run under Phil Parkinson to try and get top spot away from Stockport County, another. Big, big club for the division, former league side. But um, Stockport managed to um, lose. So did Wrexham. In fact, um, the Stockport had the double done over them by Yeovil. So, yes, yeah, Stockport and Wrexham and Halifax, the top three, all lost, keeping things pretty interesting there. It does probably mean Stockport are, are pretty much home and dry now. Um, it would take a gargantuan 
cock up for them not to, to get that um, auto spot. Um, but I think it's way overdue, isn't it, really, for both them and also for one of those other sides mentioned to get back up. There's so many big clubs there. Chesterfield with a new stadium and then they got relegated out of the league. You've got Notts County, even sort of Dagenham and Redbridge, who were sort of up and down a lot, uh, pushing there. You've got Grimsby, who've been knocking at the door for a long time. And other clubs, interesting, like sort of Moors, who did win, uh, who are pushing in there. It's an interesting division always. I do disagree with the bottleneck element created by the lack of promotion spots. And I do think it might end up getting rebranded as a, as a lower EFL league division rather than um, non-league as it is. Um, interesting times, isn't it? Andy, do you follow that much at all? And what's your, what's your views on all those big clubs being down there? It is very disconcerting when you look at like the, the National League thing. And it's just basically loads of, loads of league teams. And then, um, then like obviously like Bournemouth and Solihull, are just like the sort of new like the interlopers in that top half. But yeah. good, to see, you know, FC Halifax are back. You know, yeah. fighting back from like being a Phoenix club and some interesting. Yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm you know originally from Barnet, so I've been. Yeah. Well, they got there. a they got a good win, of course, at the weekend yeah. against. They um, did, yeah. Hampshire's uh, Hampshire's other club, Eastley. <laughs> um, my, yeah, so they're, 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 that's a dig at Portsmouth, by the way. They're rather tedious <laughs> season is, uh, is, yeah. is coming to an end, but <laughs> it's an improvement yeah. on last year, though. For the bar, it is, it? yeah, yeah, it is. That's the it one is. that you can say, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I mean, yeah. looking through, and it, also think... next year they're going to be joined by a former Premier League club for the first time uh, with Oldham. Yes, Oldham. Not yeah. yeah. missed out by one year, didn't they? Because they were they were in the the year before the Premier League came along. But Oldham are the first former Premier League team. A club who've been so badly mismanaged and so fans have been so badly treated by the owners and somehow allowed to get away with it, as with so many teams. Yeah, it's a real tragedy. I mean, it was inevitable, I guess. They've put up a good fight and the uh, John Sheridan, the Chez Erection, almost worked for a while, but it was just uh, too much to ask for, really. They're up against Salford City, who are pushing for the playoffs, who won 2-1 there to seal Oldham's fate. Um, Stevenage have done well under Steve Evans. They've turned things around and they won, they won at the weekend. So it's Scunthorpe and Oldham that drop, and um, we now know. Two clubs um, who have been, you know, I mean, Oldham yeah. have been Premier League, obviously. Scunthorpe were championship in not, you know, not yeah. a long time ago. And obviously they've had, yeah, they have their problems. And- we out. haven't mentioned South End, of course, being down in the yeah, National South League End. as well. That they dropped last year. Um, but congratulations at the other end to Forest Green Rovers. First time they're going into League One. Uh, the Green team. Um, they've um, they've had a bit of a, a sticky run in, but they finally got over the line. Um, finishing with a goldish draw at Bristol Rovers was enough to confirm it. Um, I, I showed some footage on one of the WhatsApp groups of um, there's a pitch invasion by the Forest Green fans. There are loads of them there actually. Um, I think as many as they get home would seem to be at that match. <laughs> they, they were on the pitch, and there was one idiot from Bristol Rovers who come on the pitch trying to start a fight while wearing a St George's outfit for St George's Day <laughs> fancy dress last home match. Looked rather ludicrous. <laughs> And he couldn't get his sword to swish off um, any any of the away fans. So, um, yeah, thankfully. Um, Exeter are very close as well, aren't they? Yeah, they, they, they need one win, I think, got a couple of points. Yeah, but the they won, they won, around so they that could... third spot, including Bristol Rovers and Mansfield, both of whom were bottoms four or five at one point this season. And have had incredible runs to get up towards the playoffs. And yeah, there have been some resurgence. I mean, look, at, 
you look at Forest in the in the Championship and up and down the divisions, there's been a few of these yeah. incredible surges forward. And um, yeah, I mean, they any of those could still get in there. I, I'm not that I can stand Joey Barton, but um, he is actually doing a pretty good job at Bristol Rovers, better than any of his other yes. jobs actually. Um, I mean, there's, there's about five teams who could still. I mean, Exeter could still be caught by them anyway, but mm. they're probably if Exeter second place, and then and then five any one of five teams like that can still get that that extra place, and yeah. it's really. Yeah. I really hope, I, I, hope good thing. I hope Exeter go up because they're a good club well run nice yeah. fans from what I've experienced and um, they run the right way and I think it's fan owned isn't it still if I'm not mistaken or at least it Maybe, was until yeah. recently yeah, um, yeah. Um, any other thoughts on League 2 before we escalate up into League 1 anybody I mean League 1 has been a hell of a division talking about big clubs being in a division um and the promotion chase, I mean, sides like Oxford have stuck with Cole Robinson. And I like the fact they have, because I think he's, a, again, a good guy and he's a good manager, plays the right way. But they just don't seem to quite have enough about them. They seem to have fallen away again this year. Other teams who are also around are Portsmouth and um, Ipswich. Yeah, obviously I, I saw very... Oxford at Charlton in, in February when we missed out on going to the Burnley game. They won 4-0 and it could have been 7 or 8. Charlton were awful and Oxford were, were brilliant. Yeah. I've seen him players to injury. I think Bulldog's got injured, which is obviously one of the problems he's had. And he looked yeah. good that day. And they've just, yeah, they've lost their way. Although they had a good result of the weekend, I think, didn't they? But they're still probably just touched the playoffs. Um, no, um, Oxford, I think, lost to Rotherham, I think, at the weekend. Oh, they lost it, though. Yeah. But um, I mean, that some of those teams, Wickham and Rotherham, I think, are run in a very similar way. They kind of run sensibly within budgets and they stick with managers. And if they go down, they'll stick with the guy and let him come try and bring them back up. Paul Warren at Rotherham, and obviously they've done it with Ainsworth at, at Wickham there. Uh, both teams got wins, actually, against, um, well, you mentioned Rotherham. Oxford was 2-1 Rotherham, and Wickham beat Sheffield Wednesday. Oh, poor old Wednesday. The biggest club by far in that division, of course, they would have, you believe. Anyway, um, I think some of them might have something to say about that. Um, I, I can't stand Wednesday. The longer they stay down there, the funnier it is, to be honest. Yeah, um, same with Portsmouth for different reasons. But, yeah. um, but they're another yeah. who's come from quite low down, though, at one point, to be in the top six. I mean, they, they were like lower middle table at one mm. point in the season. Yeah. And there's other big names for, for different reasons. Wigan, not not actually a big club, but in a, a quite decent-sized stadium, and they've had some high-profile years. Um, won and the they've, FA Cup. They've won the FA Cup, indeed, yeah. Um, a one-all draw with Plymouth, who are a big club that really should be having more time in the championship than they've um, they've done, which is virtually zero in in, in the recent era. A one-all draw between those sides. Plymouth still is pushing Plymouth for the playoffs. Is Plymouth place that's not had a prep, the top division side or something? Is that, I make that up, or is that... I think that might be right. If it's not right, it sounds good, so let's go with that. <laughs> yes, Plymouth are the biggest biggest place not to have a top-flight top team. <laughs> Um, one, one club that's big and doesn't have a top flight team or looking anywhere like it for ages has been Sunderland, the feature of documentaries that haven't really painted things in a good light. And they just seem to be in promotion campaigns that flop every year. Um, they're right, right in there again. Again, it's going to be a playoff probably if it's anything at all. 5-1 win though against Cambridge. So they're getting into the zone at the right time. All their typical scorers amongst the scorers there, Stuart Embleton and uh, Broadhead, three three of the four um, scorers at the weekend. Um, 
But Milton Keynes Dons are probably the least popular apart from Sheffield Wednesday in the mix. 2-0 against Morecambe. They're really, and Morecambe have been in good form. Really pushing well, aren't they, MK? Um, I mean, they're well run. I like the, what they do with their managers and the way they're trying to play football. It's just not a very agreeable club, obviously. Yeah. But, um, but in terms of a, as a team and as a manager, is it, um, I've forgotten his name now. Um, Will, I don't know, something Manning, I think his name is, isn't it? Liam Manning? Something like mm, that. Something like um, that. But he's doing very well, and it's, again, it's a, it's a left field choice of manager out of nowhere. They had Russell Martin before, didn't they? Brighton fan, yeah. um, former uh, professional player himself, um, elsewhere. Um, but you know, they they might push it really. I think with Rotherham winning as well, and um, I'm just trying to think who else. The, the interesting, the interesting thing this week, this week midweek, is that the game in the games in hand between some of the top teams. Sunderland are playing at home to Rotherham. I was just looking. Ooh. That is a yeah. tasty game. It really is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's it's exciting this time of year. And I love all this this running stuff, especially when you're in neutral. You can just relax and enjoy it. Yeah. And also the playoffs to come uh, soon after. I watch all of those. I mean, Andy, are you a massive playoff fan? Would you be watching all that subject to availability? Uh, on, TV, uh, on TV, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I will watch, yeah, I'll watch some of them. I like the playoffs. I think they're... Yeah. I think they're great. And actually looking at like League One, League Two, there's, there are a lot of meaningful games left in the league season yet because it's all agonisingly close for um, teams trying to get that second um, promotion spot or to sneak into the playoffs. Uh, I mean, League One, Wigan and Rotherham, they, you know, they've not had the, been in the best of form recently. Uh, and they really should have secured their should have, should have secured their um, spots already, but they but they haven't. And I am yeah, I mean MK Dons are breathing down the necks of both Wigan and Rotherham, unfortunately. Um, and then you've you know, you've got Sheffield Wednesday just one point outside, you know, just outside. And then yeah. you look in the Championship, and um, it, you know that again, you've got. Huddersfield, who are obviously keeping Bournemouth honest at the moment, they're only two points behind them. Um, but then you, when you're looking at the, the actual playoff spots, then Millwall, Middlesbrough could still threaten Sheffield United. Yeah, and Forest, of course, they've carried on closing the gap as well. They've, yeah, they've kind of undecided a bit because they're in fourth with games in hand, but they, they won one nil away at Peterborough, which probably wasn't an easy game now because Peterborough's that was their, their own death nail game for, for them. They needed a result, so uh, as reflected in the tight scoreline. But Forest winning, they've still got um, the same number of games at Bournemouth, which is technically two in hand. Um, they are five behind Bournemouth, but they have got them to play as well. So if they were to they win that have- game. Going to Fulham as well tomorrow. Mm. So they've got a tough run in Forest. Yeah. But F- Fulham, of course, having secured the promotion and they're pretty nailed on for the title there, aren't they, as well? Or have they already done that? Probably already done that. No, they, 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 were, they oh, were a minute away from doing effectively doing it and being 12 ahead with Bournemouth having four left. <coughs> oh, yeah, that was right. So they're only nine ahead with four games left. But yeah, given the form Bournemouth are in, yeah. I don't see that. I was thinking, but, the weird thing I just noticed is the, the Championship and League Two finish not this weekend, the weekend after. But the League One seems to finish this weekend because there's they're on 45 games, most of them. So I don't know why. Yeah. That's happened, that's happened before, isn't it? I think in the last couple of seasons. I think it's something to do with trying to space it out so you get more focus feature on on mm. League One 
League League One finishes at half twelve on Saturday, so uh, could be interesting. Yeah. Um, On on that subject of Forest, though, I think Steve Cooper, who's um, who's not the best looking of gentlemen, but he's a very good manager, isn't he? I think he arguably did an even better job than Graham Potter at Swansea, and he's turned Forest from a perennial uh, sort of failure club in terms of um, potential versus success. Every manager they brought in, they couldn't settle. Nobody could quite do it. Lee Johnson had a longer run. They gave him longer, but in the end, he couldn't get them over the line. And they were in a much worse position when he took over Cooper this season than they'd been in other years. And yet this is the season they look like getting closest to promotion now because he's just completely transformed them. I don't know what his win ratio is, but it must be in the 70s or something. Yeah. It's absolutely well, phenomenal. Won, I think, when he took over it, they, I think he was, yeah, he's done a brilliant yeah. job I think it was, uh, was it Sabri Lamushi who had them like, in the playoffs for a long part of the season and then they fell apart and didn't... Yeah, I don't know what happened there, really. Um, yeah, but yeah, Andrew personally, is. I would love it if Forrest... I'd much rather Forrest came up than Bournemouth, to be honest, because it's a much nicer day out, a much more interesting trip. And we haven't been there for a while, so I'd much mm. rather have a Bournemouth to, to Forrest than Bournemouth, personally. Um, yeah. But probably Bournemouth would just do enough because they're at home to Forrest and Forrest have to go to Fulham as well. And it's five points, so it's quite a lot to catch up anyway. We could always pop along to Luton and uh, knock on the mid-terrace door um, where the way end is and let ourselves in and go to an away game there. Another Good old Nathan I mean, Jones. Fair, fantastic really? achievement. Nathan Jones did a brilliant job there going back after, you know, he kept them up after having taken them up. Yeah. And I mean, whatever you say, one of the lowest up, budgets yeah. in the division, 72 yeah. points from 44 yeah. games. And, and firmly in the playoffs. Playoff place now? Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Luton... Luton, as a set of fans, are pretty objectionable. Can't stand them. Um, but the club seems to be well run, and and obviously, you know, we love love, love a bit of Nathan. So he's, um, yeah. you know, if if, if he, he gets them on, up, we, we've already mentioned if if they did go up as well, they'd be the only team to have gone all the way from the the yeah. top division down to non-league and then back to the top division. Um, Oldham seems to be trying to do some alternative version of that <laughs> the other way around at the moment. But, he must be but on the long list of potential Albion successors to... Uh, well, you would think him and Cooper, actually, would and both Cooper, be on, yeah. on the list, yeah. And maybe Russell Martin longer down the line if he can continue yeah. to build his career. But I yeah. think, yeah, Cooper Fonty's and Jones... Strongly, haven't they? they might be worth watching next season if they can keep their players. Because yeah. lose quite a few because they've got quite a lot of low knees. So they obviously have quite a reasonable turnover. But if they can keep a reasonable amount, then Martin could actually do a good job there because he got he, mm. they were low or say or bottom like six leg at one point and he's taken them up to the top half pretty much. And they're still technically mathematically getting to the playoffs, although it's very unlikely. And they did a yeah. double over for the first time ever, including yeah. a four 0 win away from home, was it? So he's obviously yeah. got quite a lot of popularity there. Not too bad. And at the bottom end of the table, of course, Barnsley. Well, Derby had already already been relegated. Yeah. Barnsley and Peterborough took a little longer for that to happen due to games in hand, but they have now um, finally been relegated too. Yeah, Reading went on a good run. Bizarrely, it's Paul in, so I don't rate at all as a manager. But in a, what is effectively an interim role, he's um, he's got them into some pretty good form. They have had a couple of their better players coming back, like Joao, I think, has, has come in in recent weeks after injury, which has probably helped them. But to be fair, I mean, that's that's pretty good. Good, good run. Rooney, pretty unlucky with Derby, though, because, I mean, they would have been, I think, 17th, apparently, if it wasn't for the points deductions, um, which would have had them safe six weeks ago. Yeah, and that's like the that. situation where they've lost a lot of their best players throughout the season yeah. as well. They've not really been able to recruit anyone. I mean, they couldn't even keep Bulldog in January because they weren't allowed 
and all the there. all the uncertainty in general hanging over them and, and yeah. players are well, nearly everyone's out of contract barring about four players so there's that sort of element builds in as well when you are playing if you are still around for the rest of the season that, that, that could affect things can't it so I mean uh, unlucky for him it, to be fair he's done a good job hasn't he Rooney and I think he has, interesting yeah. to see what he does next whether it's Derby again or somebody else who knows um, any, any thoughts on that or anything else Andy before we go into the Premier League roundup? <laughs> Um, no, not really. Um, I, did, I think, you know, you've already commented on Luton and I think given the way that modern football is just so stacked in favour of big budget teams, particularly the championship, you have to spend an awful lot of money to get out of the d- division and, they, and they've done it with the second lowest budget in, in the division. It's an absolutely incredible story. And like you say, I, I, you know, I don't really like Luton fans that much, but how can you not be totally impressed by what, what they've done there this season. It's absolutely brilliant from Nathan Jones. Clearly, the people who are running Luton now have got that team looking forward to the future in a positive manner. Um, it, it really seems to be on the up. And it, it would be it would be fantastic if they actually managed to get through in the playoffs. Absolutely, yeah. Well, on to the Prem then. Um, we've obviously discussed the Albion, but... Elsewhere, lots going on. Let's start at the top, actually, because City and Liverpool, um, thankfully, Liverpool got the draw at Man City, which has kept things alive. Um, and it's looking like a hell of a run in. Five games each left to play. Um, City are one ahead. It doesn't look like the goal difference will matter unless City slipped up with two draws and Liverpool lost a game. I don't think there's any other way goal difference is going to come into it. But Liverpool's goal difference is better for what it's worth. But they're a point behind. No one else anywhere near them. Um, any thoughts on that? I mean, I could, I, I would imagine um, my inclination is that both teams are going to win all of their games. <laughs> I, I can't see many slip-ups there, if any. Um, but hopefully, if that is the case, it will it'll go to the wire, at least, if that happens, mm-hmm. um, which will be interesting. We we couldn't be the party poopers in the week, of course, but um, maybe someone else can. Wolves apparently do quite well against City. And, you know, there's a couple of other things that could shake things up. But I, I, I would... I think there's going to be. I think there will be a. I think there will be a, a spanner chucked in the works because, I, I just think City are just a little bit short. I think Liverpool are so much more confident than City mm. now. Um, I think City really want to win the Champions League, and obviously they've got Real Madrid, so they've got the, the tougher of the two. Well, on paper, the tougher of the two semi-finals, you would think, and so they they might be more distracted by that than. Whereas Liverpool, actually, I think, really want to win the league, and they probably they want to win the Champions League as well. But I think they would rather win the league than the Champions League, yeah. and I think City would rather win the Champions League than the league, to be honest. So I think yeah. I think there are, I think there are different yeah. competing pressures mentally there, and I I think. If I was going to say which one is the more fragile, I would say City are the slightly more fragile of the two teams. So I would not be surprised to see them maybe, you know, draw a game. If they've got to play Wolves, I mean, Wolves are just literally, you're just playing a brick wall, aren't you? Yeah. And it's those sort of teams that they're dropping points to. I think someone said they dropped points in both games against Palace, was it? Or someone like yeah, that. And then, and, and Southampton as well. So, you know, it's those sort of teams that they slip up to. It's not, 
Chelsea away, you kind of almost think oh, they'll probably win at Chelsea, but Wolves, hmm, maybe not. And yeah, that makes it yeah. interesting, doesn't it? And I think Liverpool, I think they're at home to Spurs, aren't they? Um, yeah, that's the one tough one. And, really, and they've just had back-to-back games against the grudge match sides, you know, and they've swept United aside and then they... Everton gave them a good go, but they, um, you know, they've won both of those games where City would have looked and thought, hmm, but certainly the fans at least would have been yeah. thinking these are the games they might slip up in. Maybe not so much Man U because they are that bad, but Everton, you always thought that was going to be a bit of a grudge match and um, it was quite physical a bit, I think, as well. But I do think in the end, yeah, I agree with you, Andy. I think Liverpool would lean towards the title. City would lean towards the Champions League, much yeah. as they both both want to win both. Especially um, if um, Liverpool win the FA Cup as well, because the idea of yeah. winning the domestic level would be pretty big for them. Yeah, and of course they could win the quadruple as well. City already yeah. can't can't now win the traditional treble because they're out of the FA Cup, of course. But uh, it's all really. Yeah. I mean, the, the stand of these teams is incredible, isn't it? I mean, Liverpool. We mentioned the Man U game. A 9-0 aggregate against Man United. And I know that's a poor incarnation of the shame, uh, Red it? Devils. It's such a shame. Yeah, I'm, I'm crying my eyes out. But um, apparently the 9-0 is, um, I think it's, it's the, um, the biggest margin of victory over the two games since 1896, I think it was, they were saying on Match of the Day. And it's wow. also the first time one player scored five goals in a in the league matches against the same team, against Man United in history, which was uh, Salah, who's got a hat-trick in the, in the away match and two goals uh, in midweek. They, they were just um, creating that game. I, 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 did sort of, I did tune in and watch, I watched most of it. Um, Thiago. Oh, and, um, they, were just, they, were, they were just sensational. Um, I think they were already winning by the time I'd actually put the game on, actually. But, uh, yeah, they scored in it was, it a few was minutes just, in. Uh, it, yeah, it could have been 10. Yeah. I mean, it would have been fun if it had been ten as well. I mean, you, you know, they 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 just utterly destroyed United, who just had no hmm. confidence or backbone. Um, and quite honestly, um, we moaned briefly on the Tottenham matchday special about City fans singing songs through the minute silence for Hillsborough. Well, Man United fans disgracefully uh, were singing songs about Hillsborough at, at Anfield. I don't know at what point in the game that happens because Lineker mentioned it on the match of the day highlights on that midweek show. Um, but this comes on the same game where Ronaldo just lost his baby boy, which obviously is tragic news, awful story there. Um, Ronaldo sat the game out, but there was, a, there was a, a minute's applause, I think, in the sixth mm-hmm. minute. Presumably that was the age or seventh minute. Is that the age of the of his son? I guess. I think it was yeah. Reed's shirt number. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. It's the seventh minute. Yeah. And, and all of the Liverpool fans were applauding all around the grounds, which is a touch of class. And quite often they've done stuff like that, which I I just think is great. Um, I like to think at least that that Hillsborough singing was before that happened. If it happened after that, it's even more disgusting, given yeah. that how how generous Liverpool fans have been. You know, you'd expect them to be like that, but it, um, but at least they were. But United, there's there's a history of them doing it in the past, and quite frankly, you know, it's probably a minority, but uh, they are part. They are fans. You can't just say they're not real United fans because they've got away tickets to Liverpool, so they are real fans, and they've got that attitude. It absolutely sickens me when anybody does stuff well, like there that. There has been some sung about Munich as well at games by. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I agree. So Liverpool fans just... have done that. No, no, yeah. not at all. You're right. The only thing and, with me, for me, is that, you know, the only difference for me is 
um, Hillsborough is more recent and it involves a lot of supporters. So the, those victims, you, you know for, for sure, particularly at Anfield, um, that there are going to be uh, close relatives of deceased listening to that. I, Whereas I agree, but you... I'm not I saying that makes it Munich any better. Yeah, you can't you know. defend either of them, I don't think. They're both yeah. equally yeah. abhorrent. And oh, yeah, the actual... Yeah. The sentiment of it is, is abhorrent, yeah. There's, there's being a, you know, kind of a football fan and shouting abuse at away fans and then, or home fans, and then there's yeah. singing about tragedies like that. And it's, yeah, yeah, either whatever, whether or not it was players or fans or whatever, it was, it was yeah. yeah it's, it's classless in the extreme, yeah. Uh, changing um, topic slightly, but still on Liverpool, mm-hmm. though. Um, my mum said just the nice stats at the weekend of their 83% possession that's the most ever in a, in a Premier League match, I think, was the, uh, the stat about Alan, which I thought was hilarious, was, he only had completed two successful passes, <laughs> seventy odd minutes on the pitch, and both were from kickoff. Which <laughs> I like and him. They, he's a really good player as well. So I don't know uh, what what happened to him. He just bypassed. Yeah, him. I don't know. Uh, there was a diagram showing his other passes. There are <laughs> six other passes, yeah. which all just seemed to go off the pitch or something. <laughs> it's just awful. Um, ironically, I mean, they worked well in midfield. They worked really hard to close Liverpool down. And I think Alan was amongst those mentioned as doing a lot of hard yeah. work. So it's not as if he had a, a complete mare out and out. But in terms of passing, uh, yeah, what was going on there? That's he didn't give it away from the kickoff, though, I suppose. That's <laughs> yes. Yeah, that could have been impressive, couldn't it? Um, of course, mid- midweek, we, we lost to City. So the, the title race was still on. And at the weekend, as I said, Liverpool thrashed, um, uh, sorry, beat um, Everton and um, Man City thrashed Watford, didn't they? 5 1. Uh, with Jesus scoring four goals, blimey. Uh, well, he certainly takes his chances when he gets back into the team, doesn't he? Um, in terms of the rest of the resurrection though, recently, you know, over. Yeah. yeah. Um, Chelsea, I mean, oh, yeah. despite some slip ups, they're going to finish third, I think, aren't they? Arsenal yeah, they seem, are, to be, yeah. seem to be getting the edge, don't they? I mean, a brilliant win at Chelsea, 4 2 in midweek, and then um, they, they got the 3-1 win over Man United at the weekend. Um, two points clear at the moment um, of Spurs and United are another four back, so they're dead in the water, and they played an extra game. And an game extra United game too. played as well, United, yeah. isn't it, I think? Yeah. I mean, it's a it, game more than them. Yeah, I mean, West Ham are only two behind them, so they might not even get the Europa place. They've even also got a game in hand, so... And there are for three behind them, so they... The yeah, if United miss out on Europe altogether... Um, Unhappy with that. In fairness, that might actually benefit the new manager. Actually, Czech might be quite happy if they miss out on the Europa League or Europa Conference League and they get a proper chance to focus on the on the domestic football for the first season. That might actually suit him if they're not going to get to the Champions League. It might. Um, the Albion, obviously, with what's happened at the weekend, uh, Brentford got a draw to get above us briefly. We subsequently, our draw took us back above Brentford by a point, but Leicester. Um, are ahead of us. Newcastle are up to ninth now for the 3-0 away win at Norwich. Boo, hiss. Um, I mean, they are now three clear, sorry, um, two clear of us from the same number of games played. It's irritating that we weren't able to stay above them and I've got a feeling we won't get back above them, but who knows. Okay. We are, hopefully we can stay above Brentford just purely for positional reasons. Southampton for mixed reasons and Palace who are three behind us, but they've now got two, two games in hand. One of which is tonight as we record. Four, five. Four, five. Oh, four behind. Four behind. Yeah. Oh, sorry, four. Yeah, I was looking at Brentford's table. Sorry, yeah, four behind. 
Um, so, and they've got the better goal difference, annoyingly, so a win and a draw would do it. Yeah, but, quite um, a lot ahead of us on goal difference, aren't they, now? They're I'm, I'm desperate for us to finish above them. Just please, you know, year after year, they seem to do it regardless of ineptitude or anything else. They seem to always get there. I really want us to finish above to them. To be fair, I'll... this season, they've actually deserved it if they have, because they've actually played some quite good football under yeah. the well, we probably deserved it when we got there. <laughs> no, but we, I know, whoever finishes higher will deserve it this season, though, because yeah. they've played some good stuff and we have. Whereas previous seasons, they basically under Hodgson and kind of like come to us and had 2% possession and nicked it with their one shot on target all game or whatever. Yeah. Or like Batch Riley. Whereas this season, they, you know, to be fair, they played some good football, got to, although they had a lucky, you know, easy draw, they got to the cup semi final. They've, they've done pretty well generally. And considering as much as I hate to say, considering it's the era's first season, and he didn't come with the greatest record, frankly, previously elsewhere. They've done pretty well, generally. And it's annoying, because I was really hoping they'd go down this season, but they've not even yeah. looked in danger. They'll no, not really. Relegation, though. Someone, yes, last but by no means least. <laughs> there is a big team who are, after they lost to Liverpool, they've been very much in danger. I mean, this has taken a turn, hasn't it? I've, I've been having a, a round with a friend of the show, Andy Bravery, about points totals that would have been the, the amount to survive. And I'm insisting that 33 would have been the, the, the amount. What I didn't no, I account for. Now. No, not now. Well, probably not now because um, what's happened is Burnley have gone on a two game winning streak coupled with yeah, the aforementioned form of Everton. Everton have now dropped to two points behind Burnley, which, of course, was before they kicked off against Liverpool, but inevitably they lost that game. They're still two behind. They've got one more game in hand, which is against Watford. But then Burnley have got Watford to play anyway in the run-in, so that doesn't really give much advantage there. They, they're in real trouble here. Burnley, I know they've changed managers, but Burnley in general have that essence and that fighting yeah. spirit type of thing about them, haven't they? And it looks like they've got it back now just in time Especially um, home, to give yeah. them a chance. And Everton are not equipped for a relegation battle. They've spent, mm. somebody mentioned that Liverpool spent, um, I think it was 782 million on the current setup of their squad, if you count everybody through whenever they were bought. And Everton has spent something like 827 million, even more than Liverpool. I know they already had a good base to work with Liverpool, but to spend that amount of money, whoever you're comparing it with, and to be in a relegation battle when you are probably now favourites for the drop from those two teams, absolutely ridiculous. Yes, um, you compare yeah. that to Burnley's squad, you wonder what they cost in comparison. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. exactly. They've probably got the smallest budget, haven't they, more or less? Or well, they did before Cornwall, yeah. anyway, in their course. But um, Norwich, and no one's down yet, but Norwich obviously losing three and a half to Newcastle. We already know they're dead in the water. They're ten adrift with five to play. Watford are nine adrift with five to play. Everton have the game in hand over everyone. Yeah, I mean, essentially, it's a two-point gap. Um, Burnley are five better off on goal difference. which could And, and a nicer running as well. Yeah. yeah. And, we, and we can't also rule out the third team, a favourite team of the shows, United. Leeds. They've got a tough run. They're still in. not fully out of it. They've they arguably got the toughest run. Yeah, if they yeah. don't get to get Palace tonight, they could... Yet be fooled in. Win at Palace, yeah, the, I think, should be okay. But be four, four behind uh, Everton. Tonight, sorry, four ahead of running. Everton. Four ahead of Everton, yeah. but they would have played the, the extra uh, game in hand. So Everton would then have the Watford game in hand on Watford uh, on, yes. on Leeds. And Leeds' goal difference is terrible. It's already nine worse than Everton now. So I, it's not out of the question. I mean, from one point of view, um, and I know Robin's mentioned this point a few times as well in, in the conversations, 
the, the ideal one from an Albion point of view, just to think about teams that could be above us next year, it's probably ideal if Everton went down, not only yeah, for the novelty value, but they could go again, couldn't they, next year, with yeah. the Premier League money oh. still coming in. Burnley and, Wal- Burnley see, and Leeds... I Burnley could... spending big anyway, if they stay yeah. up, they're only don't seem that interested in throwing money at the club. And yeah. Leeds will probably... Yeah, Leeds will probably lose Rafinha. Um, they, they might have just lost their mojo. No guarantee they're going to spend a load of money. Um, I could see Leeds and Burnley struggling next year, potentially. Um, I guess Everton. A lot, a lot as would well, depend but... on Phillips signing a new deal and whether Bamford comes back and was like yeah. the first season. They like, missed, they missed really Phillips, didn't they? Thought he was that great, but somehow in the first season he was annoyingly good and scored a load of goals. And he never, he'd never done that before. He's a one-off. And then... This season, to be fair, he's been injured quite a lot. So next season will be almost like his second season and how he does that after that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, who's your hunch? Who are you going to say is going down then? With, I, I think uh, Everton might go now. I think, yeah, I, I, I think I one think... at home and draw one at home, but Burnley will need to win at home as well. And yeah, I think Everton are in real trouble now. Lampard's not a man who's used to this sort of battle. No. Players aren't used to it, and I don't think they're yeah they're necessarily going to be. And it would it's be really... be more pressure, isn't there, on the from the home crowd? Yeah. If things aren't going well in games. You just wonder about the mentality of, of some of the Everton players. I think the problem that Everton have had in recent it's just seemed to be very much a mercenary type club. Yeah, they they they'll have like one or two like younger homegrown players who will always seem to outshine the person they've just spent 40 million quid on. I mean, you know, know, people say, oh, why don't the Albion spend 50 million pounds on a striker? Look at the rubbish that that Everton have continually spent in excess of like 30, 40 million pounds on. I mean, it's that time they signed strikers. They signed three players to the same position at one point, didn't they? And spent a fortune on... Oh, yeah, they had like like about four... Sigurdsson and... Four four number nines, didn't they? But... but, Mm. I mean, it's just a really bad, it's just a really badly run club. I think Lampard has shown that it really kind of isn't the manager's fault because each manager has come up against the same problems. So, you know, it's just a very disjointed football club at the moment. Um, it's, it's, it doesn't appear to be massively stable. We don't know if they're going to get this new stadium or not. Um mm. It's all sorts of stuff going on. They spend, they overspend. I mean, the finance is crazy. Really horrendous. I, think they, I think they have had some FFP trouble, haven't they? I think. Yeah, I and that's going to get worse if they go down. I mean, the, the yeah. published figures were. So I, think recently. Lot, I think there's a lot of players that are probably already on the phone to their agents and saying, "Well, you know, can you get me out the back door here? You know, I, yeah. well, I have no interest in being here next season." I think, yeah, and a lot of them. Will I still think it, their I wages feel, are probably yeah, very high. The game, they do have the game in hand, and if they win it, then I actually think they might pull through and just pip Burnley. Part, but they, part, of, part of me thinks the same. That they, they, they can't help thinking typical relegation battle. There's, there's another twist, at least one more. But it'll, twist be, but it'll be by a point or. Mm. I mean, Burnley actually have the edge and goal difference. They're five goals better off. Mm. Could, I, I, I'm going to call Everton, but I, I do think you you could end up being right. Frankly, any of those three go down, I'm quite happy anyway. But I think there's two examples mm. I from January this year of what I think is wrong with Everton. One was um, selling Luca Dean and getting rid of Martel Brands. <coughs> I think 
for football, um, and because they didn't, because Benitez didn't read, didn't rate them, and then sacking Benitez a week later, which made absolutely no sense. And then when they clearly were struggling, and they didn't believe they were, obviously, but they, they obviously were down the bottom. Buying, but I think there's an example that you were trying to say, Russ. It's like bringing in Deli Ali, Donny Van der Beek in the same day when they didn't need attacking midfielders. They had Sigurdsson. They had they've got all sorts of attacking players for Charleston, Calvert Lewin. What they needed was someone solid at the back and someone in midfield. Maybe they did not need more attackers. And yeah, Deli Ali's done absolutely nothing there. I don't know what's happened. Who knew, to him. Who knew that was going to not happen? Yeah, but I don't know what's Maybe. happened to him over the last few years because. The World Cup, in the last World Cup, he was one of England's key players and he was a key part of Tottenham's run to the European final. And then something's happened the last couple of years that it's just not worked out for him. The other thing to mention, I don't know when Everton's game in hand with Watford is, but just to mention before, also, this weekend on Saturday, Burnley are away at Watford and um, for what it's worth, Leeds have got Man City. And then on Sunday... Everton are playing at home to Chelsea. So, you know, by the time Everton kick off in that game, they could be five points adrift here. Assuming yeah. I have I couldn't see a game in hand this week. No, I think you're right. They're playing Watford in the middle of May. Watford have the worst defence, I think, mm. I've ever seen in the Premier League. And that yeah. Is, yeah. I, previously, I would have said it was one of any one of the Fulham relegations. I think but, Burnley win this game, don't they? But, but Watford, they... They're dreadful. They're... They're just capable of not conceding a goal. <laughs> I mean, if, I mean, if even if in both games we played, to attack, they? they would find a way of making sure that their opponent scored. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that bad. Okay, I don't see them bouncing back up, do you? And to be honest with you, I've got nothing against Watford, the you know the the people or the fans or anything, but. I don't want teams like Watford to succeed when they've got the managerial policy they've got. And I don't no. like the way they're run. And quite honestly, I want that to fail, really. I think Norwich just simply weren't too modest means. Watford, partly that, but just the way they're run. I'm quite glad if they go down, to be honest. No offence to Watford fans, but I don't want that, that model to succeed, really. I'm, I, ironically, you know, Burnley might survive getting rid of a manager when they could have stuck with one, but... Um, but they've stuck with their manager for a long time, to be they, fair. They had done, to be honest, yeah. yeah. Different like, regime, though. I thought it was a stupid decision, but frankly, it's worked so far. They've mm. got a couple of good results out of it. Yeah. I wonder whether they'll stick with the interim manager while it's working, yeah. rather than a permanent one. In. Well, one, one thing for next season is Fulham already, they have already got promoted, so they're, um, they're already up. Um, they are going to swap with Watford, you could argue, and yeah. that would make seven proper London games, not six London games and Watford and call that seven. Why do people keep doing that? Watford is not in bloody London. <laughs> I know it's close, but it's not in London. But next season we could have um yeah, we could have we can have seven London clubs um to visit. And if we um, had nineteen, we'd probably win the Premier League given our record. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of which, on the the previous Albion related episode, the, the Spurs match day special I think it was, um I quoted unbeaten away uh, form as, as a, an away fan. I am incorrect. Peter, you had a feeling I'd been to Villa, and I said I hadn't. Alan, friend of the show, has pointed out I, I definitely did go to Villa. That's where I twisted Villa, yeah. my ankle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So apologies to everyone for myself getting that one wrong. And also, I got something else wrong. We did say on the Worthing, the mini match day special, uh, I say we, I said um, George Dowell is chairman and owner. Of course, he isn't the chairman. Barry Hunter is, but he is the owner. Um, so just to Don't correct... Don't bring me down with your uh, incorrect statement. <laughs> <eight months. laughs> 
Well, I did point it out after trying to, uh, trying to claim it. But anyway, yes, these little life faux pas will occur, of course. Um, final I'm, words. I'm, I'm not that, I'm not, you know, the one about a word in chairman is kind of acceptable. The fact that you don't remember going to a place. In- <laughs> yeah. Well, I blanked it out of my mind, of course, because I hate losing a villa. Um, wish I'd not gone. <laughs> um, yeah, so did I. And, uh, as it stands, um, we've done the double over Brentford and Watford. And we've now had two doubles done over us, the aforementioned Villa and, of course, Man City. We've still got one or two to avoid, haven't we? Uh, Man United being one of those, Wolves, Wolves. being another. Mm-hmm. And who else have we got? Um, well, Leeds, Leeds West, West Ham, West Ham, Ham. Yeah. So I'd like it to stay even, wouldn't you? Just two of each, two, two doubles done, two doubles inflicted. I think that would, that would suit me. I think we can beat Man United. Um, I hope we can. We're so overdue some luck against them or decisions, to be more exact. But before that, we have Wolves. So quick word on Wolves. It's um, the next match is on Saturday, away from home. Kickoff uh, is at three, I think. That one is it? Yeah. Uh, you, are you either of you guys going to that game? No, no. no. Same here. Can't be bothered. Not the most attractive fixture. Head to head record. We we're actually in the uh, ascendancy there. Well, not the ascendancy. We're in the lead. Um, we've had fifteen wins. 14 draws and only eight losses, so not too bad. Um, it was we a long time a... you went without losing against them. We had a long yeah, we bogey team for them, weren't we? Yeah. How do you see that one going, guys? Um, I, I reckon uh, I fancy a draw. Nil nil, Andy's holding up. Um, yeah, yeah, or, is that, or is that the Trossard celebration? You're it's nil nil. I mean, it's just a, it's one game that's got nil nil written all over it. Surely <laughs> it's this one. Yeah, yeah. Team and... The team that don't let any goals in against the team that refuses to score. Um, <laughs> I, I'm on nil-nil with that as well, definitely. Not that I ever get any of these scores. And, and right that up. would be, that, you know, that would be, that good, would be good. good. Point. That would get us to 42. That would be our record. It gives us yeah for Premier League era. 42 in the, yeah. the remaining games because, you know, we our games against, you know, Leeds, Man United and West Ham are all they're always quite entertaining matches. Um, it's, you know, those are those are games that you would not be betting nil nil on. All three of all three of those, you'd, you'd be thinking, no, we've got, um, you know, something's going to happen in the, in the, in these games. So that was four three at Wolves and a nil nil after that. Then, <laughs> yeah, well, that is quite an so that is quite an entertaining run in. Um, you know, just especially as we're not in any imminent peril which we normally are going into those fixtures um so we i mean obviously we we don't want to lose them all i think we are seriously fighting for every point that we can get and as disappointing as a southampton game was i don't think you could accuse us of not trying to win it we certainly were we just you know the execution wasn't what we wanted it to be but Mm. the you know we are not on the beach at the moment um so yeah, this could be. I think. Yeah, I think it'll be a tough game. Wolves are just. Wolves have just done very well at what they do. I mean, they're just yeah. really hard to beat. You know, he's got things going there, hasn't he? The new guy, and uh, he's, he's really turned it round. And also, the other thing is, I mean, it's so packed in the area we're in. Uh, if you look from or below Wolves, actually, from Newcastle in ninth, through to well, I guess Villa in fifteenth, it's all very close. There's only. Six points between still, and Villa have and Villa and Palace at the bottom of that list have got games in hand. So points are going to be vital for the thing we've mentioned before. You know the the cash prize yeah. levels for different positions in the table. It is we don't want to be on the beach. We can't afford to be on the beach really. If we we get six point six million more for finishing three places above by having the extra impetus, I really want us to take that. Striker for us because that's our striker yeah. budget. 
Uh, <laughs> on the other hand, though, I also do want to see something of Sarmiento, for example. And I do think, yes, you've got to balance the fact you want results, but also, you know, I almost <laughs> see a Basuma yeah. if he's on the way for the last couple of games and see how we manage with that. So while yeah. the benefits, uh, you know, we show we can manage without the weekend, maybe at least one game where he doesn't start, give Sarmiento a start, give one or two others a start, maybe who are a bit on the fringe. You know, well, it wouldn't necessarily harm harm the results anyway. Really. Yeah, exactly. And see how see how things go, and you know, maybe not start Trossel every game because there's a chance he might not be there next season. And yeah, just to give a, give a few players a go, and rather than just playing the same team and kind of, I'd also sentimentally seeing. I think he might certainly go in the summer. I wouldn't mind seeing Duffy start one game just to sort of say goodbye and kind yeah. of. Uh, I think he's yeah. sort of a brilliant servant to the club, but I, I find it hard to believe he'll be here next season. Yeah, mm. I agree. Yeah, that's it. Um, just final notices, I think, a couple of bits to mention. Um, Seagulls over London, we've got Paul Barber coming up on Wednesday, so that's going to be interesting. Um, we'll probably ask him about bottle tops and mustard jumpers and all the rest. Um, should be an entertaining event. Um, one that's just gone on, there was um, a Legends dinner, wasn't there, on, I think it was on Friday, yeah. um, where a load of ex-players players and managers, uh, Steve Grit and, and various others gathered together for a, a Legends night to celebrate... Uh, 25th anniversary related to, of course, the war years and that fateful season where we just survived. Um, there's also, um, of course, the Renf stuff coming up. I think details are online, but it's a two-legged thing, isn't it, Renf this year? I think Croydon FC followed by uh, down in Lansing yeah. for the return yeah. game. Yeah, Croydon um, on Friday. So Annoyingly, I don't think I can go to that. I really wanted to go, actually. It would I have been another cool. new ground. I am, but, uh, I am planning on going at the moment. Excellent. I'm hoping I can make that Croydon yeah. there. Who's playing? Is Brett playing, Andy? Do you know in the game? Uh, he's managing. He's a manager nowadays, isn't he? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So we've got what well, we've got Alan Wares and AD at the back of we from Albion Raw yeah. playing as a central <laughs> defensive partnership, maybe. <laughs> no, it should, it should be a good fun affair. And um, look up the details online. I'm sure you'll be able to find it. Also, of course, there's a Renf quiz coming up soon. As I think Alan's doing something um, related to the 25 years since then as the famous yes, uh, yeah, I'm going to that as well. Yeah, should be good. Look, look it up and get along or contribute and donate if you can, folks. Um, meantime, that wraps it up for us. Just to say we've, um, we signed up with Patreon recently. We've got our first Patreon on there as well. So thank you to whoever that is. We're going to look it up later. I haven't actually looked into it yet, but, um, thank you to him. And if anyone else wants to join, you can do so by signing up, going to www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Brighton Rock Pod. Also, if you can rate and review us, the usual stuff, you know, Apple, Spotify, any other means by which you can rate, review our podcast, all of that would help us. Please do if you can. Five-star reviews, thumbs up, all that stuff would be great. Um, in the meantime, that wraps up this bumper review and general reflections on the run-in uh, episode with me and with Peter and with Andy. So thank you, Andy, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Um, Good to see you at the weekend as well for yeah. uh, for a couple of drinks and um, at least we did get uh, some sun and a decent result, a half decent result, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. a couple of goals and yeah, goals. Open goals. play goals again at home this time. Who who knew <laughs> we're going to be able to do that? Our first anyway. goals from uh, in, at all in five home games. Although to be fair, did score one of them. And I, I know some people have, have just not seen any of them. They missed the Brentford game and they're away on holiday in August. So, you know, they've literally missed virtually all of it uh, or, or all of it. Um, and I did fear for anyone in that boat who may have arrived at the ground late on on Sunday might have 
thought they'd missed the one and only open goal they were likely to see on the afternoon. But thankfully, we got two. Anyway, thank you very much, Andy, for joining us. And we will no doubt see you again soon. Um, and Peter, stand or fall? Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.